in Daniel chapter 6 and verse 1, it says, A stone was brought and placed over the mouth of the den, and the king sealed it with his own signet ring and with the rings of his nobles, so that Daniel's situation might not be changed. So we're finishing up our series, Uncompromising, this morning. And you may be sitting here kind of thinking, well, it's Easter morning. You're, you're, you're supposed to be talking about Easter so what does Daniel's story in the lion's den have to do with Easter? Well, actually, a lot. It has a lot to do with it. Every year we come here and we talk about Easter. We talk about the death and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. But honestly, I, I'm not saying I'm not sure. I'm, I'm, it's a fact that not everyone sitting here actually believes it. You know, you're thinking, well, yeah, it's Easter, you come here, and, you know, that's, that's what we do, it's tradition, everything. So you don't really believe and truly believe in the resurrection. Not enough to follow after God's will for your life. Really not enough to change the life that you're living right now. And if you're not living out God's will, okay, I want you to think about this, if God doesn't exist... Okay, there is really no meaning to life. And if you're not living out God's will for your life, you're just existing. You're not really living. It's just a life of it. It's an existence. So this morning, I want to try to prove to you that the story of Jesus' death and resurrection is more than just some religious fairy tale. Okay, more than just some religion, because you think about, oh, yeah, Jesus rose from the dead. And you think about all the other stories that you hear growing up. And it's just one of those kinds of stories. And I want to prove to you it's more than just a fair, a religious fairy tale that's told once a year. And I want to be right up front with you. Okay, my goal, my goal by the end of this sermon is that you would be willing to take a step of faith, a step of faith and give your life to Jesus Christ. That's my goal. That's my ultimate goal. Maybe for the first time you pray to receive Christ in your heart, or maybe you pray to receive Christ already. You've been, you, you call yourself a Christian, but you're really not living with passion. And my goal would be that you, you are inspired by what you hear to live your life truly for Jesus Christ. That's my goal. I'm telling you right up front. The Bible is a supernatural book. It tells the future in a way that is, that is impossible to refute. All right? It is a supernatural book, inspired by God, that tells the future in a way that is absolutely impossible to refute. Let me give you a couple examples of that before I get into my main point. I'm going to read a couple of verses of scripture here. And I'm not going to tell you the verses right now. Well, I'll tell you, Isaiah 53, 4 through 6 is one. It says, surely I he took up our, our pain and bore our suffering, yet we considered him punished by God, stricken by him and afflicted. But he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. And the punishment that brought us peace was upon him. And by his wounds, we are healed. We all like sheep have gone astray. Each of us has turned to his own way. But the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. Jesus died for sinful people. Psalm 22, 7 through 16. All who see me mock me. They hurl insults, shaking their heads. He trusts in the Lord, they say. Let the Lord rescue him. Let him deliver him since he delights in him. Yet you brought me out of the womb. You made me trust in you even at my mother's breast. 
from birth I cast uh, I was cast on you from my mother's womb you have been my god do not be far from me for trouble is near and there is no one to help many bulls surround me strong bulls of bashan encircle me roaring lions tearing at their prey open their mouths wide against me i am poured out like water all my bones are out of joint joint my heart has turned to wax and melted away within me my 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 mouth is dried up like a potsherd and my tongue sticks to the roof of my mouth you lay me in the dust of death dogs have surrounded me, surrounded me a pack of evil villains has encircled me they have pierced my hands and my feet crucifixion now some of you are thinking yeah 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 Jesus was crucified you know Jesus died on a cross and I I get all that you know and they they, they pierced his hands and his feet with nails and I get that that's what you Christians some of you may be thinking that's what you Christians call uh, you know the the resurrection the, the gospel that's what you call the gospel big deal I've heard it I have relatives they tell me about the gospel I've watched TV sometimes or I've heard some on the radio that's what you guys call the gospel big deal well it is a big deal it's a very big deal because what I just read from you was from the Old Testament. Okay? I read that from the Old Testament. That was written a thousand years before Jesus Christ was even born. That was written 500 years before crucifixion was even invented. And even at that, they tied most people to the cross. They didn't nail them. Let that sink in for a moment. Use your mind here, okay? Don't use your mind. A thousand years before Jesus was born, 500 years before crucifixion was even invented, that's what I just read to you. Maybe someone who's a skeptic this morning can explain that to me after the service. It's amazing, okay? And I'll tell you something else amazing. I'm going to tie this together with Daniel. It's amazing, the amazing thing about the book of Daniel, and the amazing thing about the story of Daniel in the lion's den, is it foreshadows the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ perfectly. It's a foreshadowing of the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ. God, God uses this. God uses things like this in the Bible. If you'll just look to open up your heart and draw you closer to him. That's his goal. He wants to draw you closer to himself. These two stories parallel each other in an amazing way. And the more you think about it, the more you read it, the more you study it, the more the parallels grow. These the more amazing these parallels parallels become I I, I want to challenge you I want to encourage you with all of my heart this morning to go back and look at the book of Daniel chapter 6 and look at the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ in in, in the gospels and watch how it comes alive it's absolutely amazing here's what I want to challenge you to do as well do not allow your mind to go to sleep Ravi Zacharias calls it the deep the, the soft pillow approach when someone says something that doesn't go along with you, what you already believe in your, in your mind, whatever, you kind of go to sleep. You don't, want to, you don't want to hear about it. Do not allow your mind to go to sleep here. Do not allow yourself to think, oh, what he's just describing is luck or coincidence. It's mathematically impossible for what I'm going to describe to you to be luck or coincidence. So basically, don't, don't allow your mind to go to sleep. Because of what you've already chosen to believe about God. 
And again, again, don't allow yourself to hide. I'm going to say hide behind. Oh, it's luck and coincidence. That's too easy. Okay, that's easy. You can say, oh, it's just luck and coincidence. You walk out the door and you don't do that. Use your mind here. I want you to use your mind. God is saying to every single person who walked into this room today, you're here for a very specific reason. And God is saying to you, come, let us reason together. Let's talk about this. Let me prove to you. Let me tell you something. The resurrection of Jesus Christ is one of the most provable historical events in all of history. I can't get into all the details now because I'm going to stick with this, with this line of thinking. But it is one of the most provable historical events ever. Ever. So God is saying to us, come let us reason together. Here's the reality this morning. I don't want to stir up your emotions and ask you to receive Jesus. Play, we'll play some more songs and, you know, get, get, and then I'll say something and get you going. And I don't, I don't want to stir up your emotions and ask you to come to Christ. I want to, I want to stir up your mind and then ask you to come to Christ. Obviously, your emotions may go with your mind. That's fine. But I want to stir up your mind. I want to challenge your mind. If you walk out of here and say, well, a bunch of bunk, okay? I want you struggling walking out of here saying it's a bunch of bunk. Because the Holy Spirit's going to follow you for the rest of your life and say, knock, knock, knock. It's not a bunch of bunk. Knock, knock. It's not a bunch of bunk. I love you. All the songs we just sang are all true. God wants a relationship with you. See, here's the thing. The Bible is the inspired word of God. Second Timothy three sixteen and 17 says all scripture is God breathed and useful for useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting and training in righteousness. In verse 17, that the man or God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. It is the inspired word of God. God breathed into those who wrote the Bible in order to write what they had written. It is the inspired word of God. The Bible is divinely inspired. And if it's not, all right, you say, well, I don't think it is. If it's, the, the, if it's not divinely inspired, then how did Daniel 600 years okay, earlier live and tell a story that parallels the life and story of Jesus Christ when it comes to his resurrection so perfectly? How does a story written 600 years and a life lived 600 years before, okay? Daniel didn't choose all these. Daniel didn't say, oh, you know what I want? One day the Messiah is bing, 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 bing. This is going to happen. In 600 years, this is going to happen. I'm going to try to live my life to parallel exactly how the Messiah. That's that's just ridiculous. Doesn't make any sense. So how does that, how does this come about? Because the Bible is the inspired word of God. And it gives us hints. It's constantly pulling on our hearts if we'll just open it up and read it. Okay, so let's look at the similarities between Daniel, the story of Daniel in the lion's den, and Jesus' death and resurrection. Now, it would take way too long for me to go into all the detail. There's so much more detail. I, I learn so much more than you do when I go through these things because I can't use it all on a Sunday morning or I'd be here for like four hours. All right, so I'm going to give you the highlights. I'm going to hit the highlights for you. I challenge you to go back, though, and read both stories and see even the greater details. If you remember in our series, Uncompromising, Daniel is put third in charge, okay, over the empire, the Medo-Persian empire. So he's now put third in charge by Darius. The other leaders are jealous. Okay, that's where we'll start the story there. The other leaders are jealous. So it tells us that the administrators and the satraps, who are the other other leaders of the day, they conspire against Daniel. They conspire against Daniel. 
in the same way the Jewish leaders conspire against Jesus. Okay, so we're doing the parallels now. They cons- the leaders conspire against Daniel. Okay, and the Jewish leaders conspire against Jesus. In Mark chapter 15, verses 1 through 4, it says this. Very early in the morning, the chief priests with the elders, the teachers of the law, and the whole Sanhedrin made their plans. They started to conspire. So they bound Jesus, led him away, and handed him over to Pilate. Are you the king of the Jews? He asked Pilate. You have said so, Jesus replied. The chief priests accused him of many things. They're trying to get him. So again, Pilate asks, aren't you going to answer? See how many things they are accusing you of? Same thing in Daniel. They try to accuse him. Daniel, okay, now next one. Daniel is found blameless. They try to accuse him of things, but Daniel is found blameless. They could find nothing in Daniel's behavior to charge him with. They looked, they saw, they tried to find something to charge him with where they, they, that they could find nothing because he was blameless. Daniel chapter 3, verses three and, uh, 6, verses 3 and 4. Now Daniel so distinguished himself among the administrators and the satraps by his exceptional qualities that the king planned to set him over the whole kingdom, which is what made them jealous. At this, the administrators and the satraps tried to find grounds for charges against Daniel in his conduct, conduct of government affairs. But they were unable to do so. They could find no corruption in him because he was trustworthy, neither corrupt nor negligent. In the same way, in the same way, they could that Jesus was blameless. Daniel was found blameless. Jesus, the same way, is found blameless. They could find nothing in his behavior to charge him with. He didn't do anything. Matter of fact, Jesus was perfect. Daniel was blameless. Jesus was blameless because he was perfect. They could find nothing to charge him with. Mark chapter 15, 9 through 14. So you want me to release to you the king of the Jews? Asked Pilate, knowing it was out of self-interest. Okay, again, why did the satraps and the administrators go after Daniel? Out of self-interest. Knowing it was out of self-interest that the chief priests had handed Jesus over to him. But the chief priests stirred up the crowd and to have Pilate release Barabbas instead. What shall I do then with the one you call the king of the Jews? Pilate asked them, crucify him, they shouted. His answer was, why? What crime has he committed? What, how, I'm going I'm I'm to crucify someone for what? He's committed absolutely no crimes, asked, answered Pilate said. But they shouted all the louder, crucify him. Why? He's committed no crimes. He was blameless. Daniel's enemies come up with a plan to arrest him. Right? Remember that? Daniel's enemies, they get together and they say, we can't find this guy doing anything wrong. So what we need to do is say what he's doing is wrong. We've got to find something he loves to do and make that illegal and then we'll nail him. So they basically say... If you pray, if you choose to pray to anyone else but Darius, the king, you're going to get thrown to the lions. That's a, that's a, a law they made. They go to Darius and they say, oh, Darius, we love you so much. For a month, we're just going to, let's have no one pray to you except, no one pray to anything else except for you. And he's like, what a bunch of nice guys. They trick him. He signs the law. Bam. Okay. So there, there you have it. When the plans are all laid out, Daniel, Daniel chooses to do something amazing. He goes and he prays. The first thing he does when he finds out that they've passed this law is to go and pray. 
knowing that if he prays, they're going to catch him, they're going to arrest him, and they're going to throw him in the lion's den. Daniel 6.10. Now when Daniel learned that the decree had been published, he went home to his upstairs room where the windows opened toward Jerusalem, so everybody could see him basically. Three times a day he got down on his knees and prayed, giving thanks to his God just as he had done before. Listen. Daniel is arrested after his time of prayer. Daniel is arrested after his time of prayer. Jesus is also arrested after his time of prayer. Mark chapter 14 and verse 32 says this. They went to the place called Gethsemane and Jesus said to his disciples, sit here while I pray. Gethsemane is right before he goes to the cross. Mark, Mark 14, 30, 30, 43 through 46 continues. It says this. It goes on. Just as, as he was speaking, Judas, one of the twelve, appeared. With him, with him was a crowd armed with swords and clubs sent from the chief priests, the teachers of the law, and the elders. Now the betrayer had arranged a signal with them. The one I kiss is the man. Arrest him and lead him away under guard. Going at once to Jesus, Judas said, Rabbi, and he kissed him. And the men seized Jesus and arrested him. Daniel is arrested after his time of prayer. Jesus is arrested after his time of prayer. Now, also, Jesus is found guilty of transgressing the law of the Jews. Daniel is found guilty, okay, what is he guilty of? Of transgressing the law of the the Medes and the Persians. That's how they get them. They were blameless. They did nothing wrong. Pilate's like, he didn't do anything wrong. How did they get him? He transgressed in their, in their minds, in their minds, by transgressing the laws of the Jews. Darius, okay, in the, in which the story of Daniel, Darius is deeply moved. Darius is deeply stressed that Daniel must be sentenced to the lion's den. And he does everything he can. But he's, he, here's the thing. He's stressed out. He's all worked up. He's overwhelmed that Daniel is sentenced to the lion's den when, Dar- when Darius was the one who sentenced him. Think about this story. Darius is tricked. He sentences Daniel to the lion's den. Okay, he's tricked into it. And then he's all stressed out. He's worried. He's concerned for Daniel. But he's the one who sentenced him. Pilate, okay, Pontius Pilate is deeply stressed that Jesus is sentenced to death on the cross when he's the one who sentenced him. Pilate's the one who sentenced Jesus. See, the accusers, the accusers tie the hands of both leaders in both stories. Pontius Pilate doesn't want Jesus to be crucified. Darius doesn't want Daniel to be thrown in the lion's den, but both, okay, both the leaders had their hands tied by the accusers. Darius pours, he pours through the law. He's, he's figuring anything he can do to figure out how to stop Daniel from the, from that sentence being carried out. Darius is trying to figure, he's the king, he's trying to figure out how can I get around this so Daniel is not, it does not have to fulfill his sentence and being thrown into the lion's den. Pilate, remember the story, Pilate, Pontius Pilate tries to find a way to save Jesus. 
In, in John chapter 19 and verse 1, Pilate, okay, has Jesus, has, basically has Jesus scourged. All right, now, I'm not going to get into what scourging is because I did that a few years back and two people fainted and the ambulance had to come in each service and take people to the hospital when I described what scourging was. We didn't get to the crucifixion, they fainted at scourging. Okay, so I'm not going to describe what it was, but you can just imagine, okay, what scourging is. Pilate was trying to save Jesus, so he said, what can I do? The the most horrifying thing other than crucifying the guy because he doesn't deserve to go to the cross. So he tries to scourge him and he tries to release him. But the leaders, okay, the leadership stir up the crowd and demand they release Barabbas, the criminal Barabbas, instead John, I mean, Mark 15, 15 says, wanting to satisfy the crowd, Pilate released Barabbas to them. Right? So we've gotten this far. All right, so gets better. Daniel is placed in the lion's den, which is basically an underground cave. Jesus is placed in a tomb, which is basically an underground cave. So they're both placed in, one is placed in a lion's den, underground cave. One is placed in a tomb, an underground cave. A stone is placed over the den of the lions when Daniel's put in. Daniel 6, verse 17. A stone was brought and placed over the mouth of the den. A giant stone is placed in front of the tomb. Mark chapter 15 and verse 46 tells us, So Joseph brought some linen cloth, took down the body, wrapped it in the linen, and placed it in a tomb cut out of rock. Then he rolled a stone against the entrance of the tomb. Mary Magdalene and Mary, the mother of Joseph, saw where he was laid. So you have basically both of them going into one lion's den, basically a cave underground. Jesus going into a tomb, a cave underground. And then a huge stone is placed over both of them. Next, the king, Darius, places his seal over the rock. Darius places this big seal over the rock. There's different pictures of different seals. I think we have one. But there are seals over the rock. And they place the seal over the rock so that anyone who removes the seal would be killed. If you tried to remove the stone and save Daniel, you would be killed. The Romans placed a seal over the tomb of Jesus and anyone who tried to remove the seal would be killed. So the Romans are guarding the tomb. They placed a Roman seal over the tomb and if you try to get into the tomb, you would be killed. So you'd be in Daniel's story, a seal is placed by the king. In Jesus' story, a seal is placed by the Romans and anyone who tries to break that seal in either of these stories would be killed. Daniel 6.17, the king sealed it with his own signet ring and with the rings of his nobles so that Daniel's situation might not be changed. Darius can't sleep. Darius, King Darius can't sleep. He can't sleep because he's so distraught over Daniel's situation. All possibility of escape is gone. Okay, it's cut off. It's gone. And Daniel is presumed dead. In Daniel Daniel chapter 6, in verse 18, it says, Then the king returned to his palace and spent the night without eating and without any entertainment being brought to him, and he could not sleep. 
When Jesus was placed in the tomb, the disciples were lost and they were distraught. All possibility of escape had been cut off and Jesus was presumed dead. When you throw someone in a lion's den, you assume they're going to be destroyed, eaten, ripped to pieces by the lions. They're presumed dead. When Jesus is put in that grave, he's dead. Okay, he's presumed dead. Escape is over. The whole thing is done. Next, an angel appears in the lion's den with Daniel. An angel of heaven appears in the lion's den. Daniel 6.22, my God sent his angel and shut the mouths of the lions. I find that very interesting, too. This is just my own little mind thing here. But I find it interesting that the, the angel shut the mouths of the lion. Then you go back to Psalm 22. And remember that, that in Psalm 22, it says, roaring lions tearing at their prey, open their mouths wide against me. I just think it's fascinating that. Open your mouths wide against me. And then in, in Daniel chapter 6, the angel shuts the mouths of the lion. I think that's cool. It's just nothing else but cool. That's it. Okay. <laughs> An angel also appears at the tomb, at Jesus' tomb. In, in Matthew chapter 28 and verse 2, it says, There was a violent earthquake, for an angel of the Lord came down from heaven and going to the tomb, rolled back the stone and sat on it. Angel, angel, showing up. In both situations, okay, with the stones. At first light, at first light, not in the middle of the day, not when they were convenient. At first light, Darius goes to to the lion's den to see if Daniel is alive. Daniel 6, 19. At the first light of dawn, the king got up and hurried to the lion's den. At first light, the women went to the tomb of Jesus. At first light. Darius is given the good news that Daniel is alive when he goes to the tomb. Darius is given the good news that Daniel is alive. The women go there and get the good news that Jesus is alive. This is not a joke. Okay, you can challenge everything I'm saying this morning by going to the Bible, which is the most accurate historical document of all time. There is more to prove that the Bible's, of the Bible's accuracy, okay, the historical accuracy of the Bible, okay, than any other document in recorded history. Go back and read it. Even if you don't believe everything, all the supernatural stuff, history is there. Daniel was written, okay, long before. 600 years Daniel was there before Jesus. This is not a joke. I'm not making it, I'm not making it all fit together. It is what it is. I open my Bible. I read both stories. I look at this. I, I study the text. I study the context. It is what it is. It just is what it is. The Bible is the inspired word of God. Again, now that you've heard all that, don't try to hide behind luck or coincidence. For goodness sake, if you believe that much in luck and coincidence, you have more belief in luck and coincidence than I have in God. Don't hide. Do not hide behind luck and coincidence. Don't intellectually reduce yourself. That's what I'm saying. Argue it from the facts. Argue it and say, no, this happened this many years and this would, that's fine. Argue it with the facts, but don't argue with, oh, that's just all luck and coincidence. Because that's all anybody's left with. It's just lucky. 
I'm just encouraging you not to reduce yourself intellectually by using those arguments. Jesus is foreshadowed by Daniel 600 years before he's born. Can you explain that? Can you explain that? Intellectually, help me. Can you explain those perfect similarities? Can you explain that? However, there is one massive difference, by some of you are probably thinking, there is one massive difference between these two stories. Daniel is saved and Jesus dies. Daniel didn't die and he is saved and Jesus dies. Almost everything else between these two stories, they match. They match. And this leads us to the most important part of our talk. I'm going to go back to this. Jesus dies on a cross. Okay? Jesus dies on a cross and is placed in a tomb But Daniel is saved from the lion's den, from a almost certain... Daniel, a hundred times out of a hundred, okay, if you're talking just from a human standpoint, you get thrown in the lion's den, you're dead. So that's a death sentence. It's like a firing squad. It's like I put a gun to your head and just pull the trigger. That's the the chances of you living through a lion's den are the same as me putting a gun to your head and pulling the trigger. Daniel, though, survives the lion's den. Daniel's life will never be forgotten. And Jesus' Jesus' death will always be remembered. It will always be remembered. Now I want to get even more personal, okay? I want to get even more personal. Like Daniel, we need to live a life that matters. We need to live our, you, you and I need to live a life that matters. God created us. God has give us, given us purpose. We need to live a life that, we, we need to live a life that truly matters and our death should echo in eternity. We should live in such a way that we are remembered. I'm not talking about have to be famous, whatever else. I'm talking about your death echoes in eternity. You are remembered, remembered by God, remembered by the people around you who watched you live your life. That's what God wants for you. He wants you to live in such a way that you live, you live your life completely for him and your life echoes in eternity. Do you truly, do you want to know how to truly live? You know, because most people just exist. Let's be honest. Most people just go through life. They just exist. If you need to live, if you want to learn how to truly live, you need to live. You need to truly live like if you you have something worth dying for. Daniel fearlessly walked into the lion's den because his life with God, he was willing to give up his life because his life with God was so significant. It was so important. He fearlessly walked into the lion's den because his life with God mattered. It mattered and it was worth dying for. Martin Luther said, if you have nothing worth dying for, you have nothing worth living for. If you have nothing worth dying for, then you have nothing worth living for. Do you you understand why you were created? Think about it. Do you understand why you were created? Do you understand what your purpose is in life? Why are you here? What is your purpose in life? The Apostle Paul understood his purpose in life. He said, for me to live is Christ and to die is gain. Philippians chapter 1 verse 21. To live is Jesus Christ and to die is gain. Jesus died for you. 
He died for you. Why? So that you could live for Him. He died on a cross for you so that you could live your life for Him. So that you could live your life with passion. You could live your life with power like Daniel did. He died so that we could live. That our bodies could be a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to Him. That's why He died. He died so that you can live an amazing, abundant life here on earth. Do things that you never thought you were capable of doing. And then, when your life is over and you breathe your last, you would spend eternity with God. That's why He died. So you could live an abundant life here in an eternal life with God in heaven. You know, if you think about it, both stories do end the same. When they rolled the stone away from that lion's den, Daniel walked out. And when that stone was rolled away from that tomb of Jesus, Jesus walked out. He is alive. He is alive. He walked out. He is alive. The the stories end the same. Except Jesus did something even more miraculous. He was in the tomb. He was dead. And then he was resurrected. He is alive. I said in the beginning, I want to lead you to a point. I want to lead you to a point where you're willing to take a step of faith and give your life to Jesus Christ. To live your life for Him. Or, if you already know Christ, to truly begin to live for Him. To really lay down your life for Him and say, Lord, show me my purpose. Show me the meaning of this this existence. Let me live completely and utterly for You. Are you willing, based upon the evidence that I shared with you this morning, are you willing to take that step of faith? That's the last question, because now's the time. In Romans chapter 3 and verse 23, it says, For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. That means, I hear people all the time say, I'm a good person. I'm fine. I'm a good person. No one is good enough to be in the presence of God all on their own. For what? Because they're so good. Ephesians chapter 2, verses 8 and 9 says, For it is by grace you have been saved. It is by grace that you have been saved. By faith. Not by works that no one can boast. No one's getting to heaven because they were just so good. For all have sinned and fall short. All, everyone has sinned and fall short of the glory of God. In Romans 6.23, it says, For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. The wages of your sin is death, but God, that was not the end of the story. If he stayed in the grave and he was dead, that was the end of the story. But it's not the end of the story because he is risen. And he rose again so that you could live an abundant life here and that you could have eternity. You could live eternally with God. For the wages of sin is death, yes. But the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. In Romans 10, 9 it says, If you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and you believe in your heart that God raised Him from the dead, then you will be saved. In 2 Corinthians chapter 5 and verse 21 it tells us, God made Him who had no sin to be sin for us so that we might become the righteousness of God. What that means basically, guys, is that Jesus took every mistake 
every sin, every bad thing, every whatever you want to call it. Jesus took all those things that we have ever done on himself. He went to die on a cross and his blood covers us from everything we've ever done in our entire lives. That's why he did it. That's why, because when now, when you now when you stand before God, when you ask Christ to come into your life, His blood covers you. It's like Jesus is standing here. God the Father is here. Here's Jesus, and here's you back here. God doesn't see Jeff anymore. He sees Christ. He sees the blood of Christ. I am perfect in standing with God when I ask Jesus Christ to come into my life. And then every time I make a mistake, I say, that's why people say things in Jesus' name. When I make a mistake, I ask forgiveness in Jesus' name because His blood covers me. That's what Jesus Christ did on the cross for us. That means we can have a personal relationship with God. What would you give? What would you give to be able to overcome your fear, your anxiety, your worry? What would you give to know your purpose? What would you give to know the reason that you were created? What would you give to start over? To be, able to, to be able to start over. The Bible says if you give your life to Jesus Christ, the old has gone. Listen to me. These are just realities. The old has gone. The new has come. You get a do-over. Like when you were a kid and the ball went out of bounds or got stuck in the tree. Right? You get a do-over. The Bible tells us that if we give our lives to Jesus Christ, we get We are, quote, born again. Today is your spiritual birthday. So I want to ask you, are you willing to take that final step and give your life to Jesus Christ? Not based upon, based upon the the intellectual reality, okay, that the word of God is true. It is true. It's not a religious fairy tale. It is true. Are you willing to take that step of faith and give your life to Jesus Christ? If you are, I want you to pray this prayer with me. Just bow your heads. I'm not going to ask you to get up and come up front or anything. I want you to bow your heads. But if you if you have never given your life to Christ or, you know, also, if you are a Christian and you have not been living like it, now's the time that you want to pray to God and ask him to forgive you and allow you to move on. You just need to ask forgiveness and to move on. And start living your life according to how God would have you to live. But if you want to give your life to Christ this morning, I want you to pray this simple prayer with me. Father, you can pray it to yourself. You don't have to say it out loud. I confess that I have not been living my life for you. God, I, I no longer want to try to live my life on my own. It's too hard. I do confess with my mouth that Jesus is Lord. I do believe in my heart that you raised him from the dead. Now, please help me walk with you every single day of my life. Help me to grow in my faith. Help me to start that journey. Fill me with your spirit and show me my purpose. I give my life to you. In Jesus' name. Everyone's head bowed. If you would, if you prayed that prayer, I just want you to raise your hand up very quickly and put it back down. Amen, amen, amen. Oh, my goodness. Wow. Amen. Next week, we're starting a new series called Consumed. And in that series, we're going to help you grow. 
We're going to help you find out what it means to be in the presence of God, to live in the presence of God, to overcome all your fear and all your anxiety and all your guilt and all your shame and all those things, the worry, all those things that hold you back. We're going to talk about those things and what it means to live in the presence of God. Father God, we love you. We praise you. We thank you for this time we can spend together. We thank you for your son, Jesus Christ, for his death and for his resurrection. He is alive. And because he is alive, we can live. We can live on this earth in power and with passion for you. And then we can spend an eternity with you. What a praise. It is awesome. And we thank you for it. In Jesus' precious and holy name, amen. Happy Easter. Have a great, great week.